This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. I don't uh, need a script to speak to you. Everything that I say is from the heart, to get the pun. I hear a lot of people talking about how blockchain is going to change the world. Blockchain has been around for 10 years hasn't changed much. You could use it on the dark net, you could use it to try and send some people money. What you'll find is that it doesn't work that well. So let's talk about the dark net. You go on the dark net, uh, why are people on the dark net instead of the clear net? Because they want to do things that other people don't want them to do. They want to buy porn that people might not like, they want to buy drugs that people might not like, they don't want to have those things tied back to them. So why are they using Bitcoin? Because it's censorship resistant. So if you need censorship resistance, the blockchain is a fantastic way to get it. It might be the only way to get it. How many people really need censorship resistance? Statistically. Well, how many illegal drugs do you buy a year? It's a small percentage of your expenditures per year. So if you look at the market cap of Bitcoin, which is 18 million coins, they're about $8,300 a coin currently. You've got a market cap uh, just over you know, 110 billion, something like that. What percentage of those billions is from people that need censorship resistance? 4%? 5%? Well, what's all the rest of the money from? Why do we have such high valuations? For the same reason Ponzi schemes have high valuations, because lots of people buy and they don't sell. Well, it's pretty good if you want to create a new currency. A new currency is only useful if it has a large market cap. Wars of liquidity are what make currencies better than other currencies. Why is the US dollar the top currency in the world? Because it has the largest liquidity. If you want to buy it, you want to sell it, the market doesn't move against you. You don't have much slippage. It's accepted everywhere. It's, uh, it's not the best currency because they keep printing it all the time, but it's better than all the other crappy currencies that they print more of every year. And so a lot of people have uh, shorted the dollar and been destroyed because they forget that the other things the dollar trades against are crappier for the most part. Gold was crappier for the most part for a long time. It had its peak at about $1,900 in uh, US dollar to gold pair per ounce in 2011. Now it's 2019. It's been eight years. Just this year, it went up 30%. It still needs to go up another 30% to get back to the all-time high that it had, right? And this is known as the most uh, stable currency that you can get. It's so stable that the central banks of countries buy it to secure themselves against existential risk, right? So in Europe, you guys tend to have a couple wars every once in a while here, last hundred years or so, and whoever held the gold got to recover the best when it was all said and done, right? So what do I tell this to you guys? You know, Bobby Lee come up here and told you, you know, don't sell uh, until it's 700,000 a coin or something like that. Uh, it's a strong statement, right? It turns out that in the real world, everything is an S-curve. There's always something that caps your adoption. Nothing goes up forever. Could Bitcoin become $700,000 a coin? Sure. 
it's very easy to do if the dollar becomes worthless, right? Then 700,000 US dollars a coin isn't that much because the dollar is not worth that much. You don't want to live in that world, right? You Fabiola. Leo, what else was he going to say? Well, it, it, it's a very interesting, uh, I, I, it's about an 18 minute uh, uh, speech. So I didn't want to just play the, the whole thing, but there were a few things I wanted to call out there. First, uh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I want to hear more. Okay. Okay. Well, we have more. Uh, mm-hmm. which we can we can dive into. And for those of you who do not know who that is speaking in the clip, that is Richard Hart, who is famous and some might say infamous <laughs> in the cryptocurrency landscape. And in that particular clip, which was uh, from three years ago, that was actually from 2019. Actually, I think that was... Um, yeah, I think it was either from right at the beginning of 2019 or right at the tail end of was it BC 2018 <laughs> before <laughs> before COVID. Uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, <laughs> and and uh, he had developed a cryptocurrency by the name of Hex, uh, and he was actually introducing it at a bit. I think it was a Bitcoin convention. Um, yeah, I believe it was. I mean, because really at, at the time, that was kind of the primary thing. Let's see here. This was at the uh, crypto, fin, you know, crypto finance conference, CryptoFin. Um, so that's where I pulled that off of their YouTube channel. And uh, uh, what was interesting in that clip is he's actually, he actually takes some pot shots at Bitcoin, which, mm-hmm. you know, you don't tend to do at a Bitcoin conference because the <laughs> yes. people are very... Uh, um, you know, they're very fanatical. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, but, but the, what I wanted to point out, some things that jumped out uh, to me, you know, he, he came at, on the stage there and then I think he launched Hex within a month or so of that speech. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, uh, we're, we'll, we'll play another clip from that same conference a little bit later, but he... For uh, those people that don't know what Hex is, do you want to just... Yeah, yeah. So Hex, yeah, in fact, I have that in my thing for, as far ah, as the story of Hex. So, and yes. I know you have not seen the notes, so I yes. I have not. You're kind of freewheeling tonight. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the a one bystander that... here, just watching the magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that then, so why, why are we focusing on Richard Hart? I guess that's maybe a good place to, mm-hmm. to start. And so, well, it's been a little bit of a journey for us because we were introduced to Har- uh, Richard Hart, which... Uh, obviously we, we have a little bit of kinship with him. We have a similar last name. He's a different spelling, but you know, we're, we're, we're all hearts. Uh, but we were introduced to his project Hex, uh, in the, uh, late winter, early spring of 2021. Mm -hmm. And obviously there was a lot going on in 2021, you know, with, uh, the vaccines coming out and COVID kind of hitting peak, uh, mental state <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for everybody. And, and, uh, we were introduced, uh, by a, uh, crypto expert that we, we met, we kind of came in, it's kind of a funny story. We, He's we, been on the podcast it's twice. been on the podcast. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, he introduced us to really crypto in general, just kind of giving us some overall, uh, best practices for people who want to jump in. And I had asked him, I was like, you know, so what, what's, what are some interesting coins that uh, we might want to look at? And he mentioned uh, that Hex was definitely one that should be on the radar. And given the price point of Hex at the time, which I believe was uh, not 
too much over. It was like between two and a half and three cents, somewhere around there per coin. Uh, he's like, you know, this is a really interesting one because it's done very well. Because I believe when it was first introduced on the market, it was like 0. 0.000005 or something mm-hmm. per mm-hmm. coin. So uh, it had already done some very significant movement just to get to the... Uh, um, the two and a half cent mark. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I invested in some Bitcoin. I invested in some Ethereum, uh, which are kind of like the, the, uh, uh, you know, the Coke and Pepsi of, mm-hmm. of, of crypto. Um, but you know, it's like, okay, I could put a little bit of money into hex as well. And so we did that. And, uh, um, you know, as, as a result, I mean, you didn't have to look very, f- uh, far to get information on, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum be it their place in the market. You know, Bitcoin obviously is kind of the godfather of cryptocurrency. And so everybody knows that as a logo. Uh, Ethereum a little bit less, but it's still, it's, it, it's uh, you know, the second most recognizable name. Uh, both layer ones, which for those of you who don't know what layer ones are, those are kind of the top level blockchains. So then things can uh, either, either they have their own individual use case. So like Bitcoin, you know, it's primary use case uh, uh, has moved around a little bit, but store of value is kind of where it's landed. Uh, It's not really being used as a transaction device, but uh, Ethereum kind of improved on Bitcoin. It actually has smart contracts, which are basically programmable uh, pieces of software that are automated. And then, you know, you can interact with those to participate in what's called uh, decentralized finance. Uh, and then a, a myriad of other things. It's just code, right? So uh, people are kind of pulled out of the mix. If you want to participate in a project that uses a smart contract, you can make that choice to do so. And Ethereum is a platform that that allows for that. So those are both layer layer ones. Uh, and then there's something called layer two blockchains, which essentially are like offloads. So like, for instance, Bitcoin, be it that it's the old one, it tends to be slow. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. there have been layer twos that have been developed, which you can offload transactions. And so, you know, a way to think about that is, you know, like I might be able to mud uh, the drywall in my rec room and it might take me two or three days or I mm-hmm. could pay uh, an expert to come in and do it in a couple of hours. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the, these uh, uh, layer twos are there to kind of offload that traffic so that the primary uh, uh, blockchain does not get uh, bogged down too much. And then, you know, lastly, you've got uh, these uh, uh, tokens, uh, which hex would be a, a token. Uh, a lot of people might call it a coin, but but it's a token really. And essentially, uh, hex was interesting compared to the other thousands of coins that exist uh, uh, out there in the uh, the investment ecosystem. Hex was interesting because you it has a smart contract, and you could just buy the coins. Uh, like you could buy any other coin and you could just hold those. And as they appreciate, you could make decisions on whether you sell or buy. But what was also interesting was that you could uh, uh, lock the coins up and take them out of circulation. And in fact, in reality, what you do is you actually destroy your coins. Uh, but you you do that by interacting with the smart contract, which when you engage with it, it destroys the coins. And then they no longer can be in the market to drive the price up or down. They're, they're just kind of removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, so what you're saying in comparison to... A little bit like a the dollar. certificate of deposit that you might mm-hmm. do at a bank. You know, you're you're committing to uh, lock your your dollars. But up But when for you a say the coin term. is destroyed, that means like you're not going to be like you money. Use- you can't print it. You can't print more. 
Do you want to clarify that? A no, I know you actually you're not going the right the right uh, okay. angle with that. Okay. okay, so let's see. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. So, well, what's interesting about it is that the 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 uh, uh, the currency itself or the token itself actually inflates. It inflates at a at a rate of I think it's three point six nine percent a year. Mm-hmm. But the difference is is that that inflation, rather than being awarded to say banks, you know, if it was a, the dollar denomination, uh, as our existing system does, our fiat system, uh, this system rewards those that lock their money up. So if you decide to do a certificate of deposit like program with mm-hmm. Hex then you would earn a function of that 3.69% annually of inflation. So anyone who's willing to do that will make that yield as far as the inflation on the currency. And then obviously the more people that adopt HEX as a store of value, it continues to drive price appreciation, but then you make money off of the yield that you encounter from the inflation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's 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 kind of a long way around there for HEX. So we got very interested in that. And uh, what was interesting is once we made that investment, you know, we, we noticed that this Richard Hart character was a very... Uh, um, you know, a uh, uh, polarizing force in, in the crypto sphere mm-hmm. and uh, initially couldn't figure out, but then I started to really dig into the content that he was creating because he was also a prolific streamer. You know, he would go on and do these three, four hour rants about cryptocurrency in general, uh, not quite as eloquent as uh, you heard in, in that little clip that we played initially there. But what he would, uh, um, what he would do is, is talk about all the problems in crypto. Mm-hmm. which was interesting because you don't really hear a lot about the problems. You get a lot of these personalities that will talk about, you know, what you should be investing in yeah. and then they'll get you to, to put your money in. And then sometimes, or most oftentimes those things will go belly up mm-hmm. and then those people just move on mm-hmm. to different projects, right? Okay. Here's something else that you should invest in. We don't need to talk about the sins of that particular project. Mm-hmm. And so we never really learn anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the point, that that uh, Richard was making in a lot of these streams was that, you know, the the uh, uh, legacy system, you know, which is kind of the stock market and banking, and and uh, you know, it leeches on the average investor to bring capital into the market, mm-hmm. but then it's really only a few players at the top that are really reaping the benefits because they're kind of manipulating what's happening from a from a market landscape. So. Mm-hmm. The uh, you really got the sense that that he wanted to create something that uh, you didn't have that issue, and so um, he he came up with Hex, and we were we you know we were very excited about it. In fact, uh, even later that same summer, it had reached its all time high of like fifty five cents, uh, which you know you invest it uh, two and a half cents, it goes to fifty five cents. That's that's very that's nice returns. Very nice. Um. And so, you know, we talked about it a lot. We got a lot of people involved, uh, uh, you know, and, and then what ended up happening as the summer progressed, uh, people were noticing that it, uh, because a hex was a token that runs on the Ethereum blockchain, they were noticing that the gas fees to buy hex, to uh, lock up your hex, to, you know, do anything from an interaction standpoint were getting very costly. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, being Richard, he wanted to solve that problem. 
And he said, well, you know, Ethereum is a, is a great blockchain, but it, it really wasn't set up for scale in this way. Mm-hmm. So then he announced that he was going to do a project where he was going to essentially replicate Ethereum, but change some of the parameters so that there was a lot more, uh, um, what would you call it, uh, uh, quantity, quantity of coins, okay. which would bring down the overall cost. I mean, there's more to it than that. I'm not going to admit that I know all the ins and outs. But anyway, mm-hmm. he would make several tweak changes to Ethereum and then release it as a new la- layer one blockchain. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was going to be called Pulse Chain. And so... Mm-hmm. Anyway, that met with it was met with a lot of fanfare. People were very excited. He did this thing where people would throw in a bunch of money uh, called a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, if you sacrificed certain crypto coins to this address, this random address, which mm-hmm. you know you would assume he he operates it, mm-hmm. uh, then when the actual project did launch, you would get a, a derivative of the, what you sacrificed in, in the new token that would be associated with this new layer one blockchain that he was going to be creating. Uh, and so anyway, a lot of people participated, I think on that initial, uh, sacrifice, it was something like six or $700 million of us U S dollar value. Crypto was, was, uh, sacrificed to this address. And then, uh, uh, later on in the year, he did a subsequent sacrifice for another token, which was going to be tied to the, uh, exchange, the decentralized exchange that would operate on the platform, which is something that is is the same as what happens on the other blockchains. They have decentralized exchanges on on uh, uh, Ethereum and, and some of the others. And so he was he was basically copying that that overall playbook. And so then on that second sacrifice, I think it was like 1.2 or 1.3 billion dollars were sacrificed to that address. So overall, you're looking like almost. So when you say address, is that like a bank account? It's like a wallet. Well, like or bank. Okay, you call so it a bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Leo has a wallet, and then Leo gets all these people pumped up to send their coins, their crypto coins, or whatever to his wallet. And in return, what happens? Well, so I think everybody thought that the project was not going to take very long to uh, implement. Uh, and, and I will say, I think he mentioned some stuff that made people think that, okay, you know, it might take three to six months, mm-hmm. you know, but or something like that. let's back up a little bit, mm-hmm. okay? So to get people on board to send money to your wallet, what was Richard Hart saying you're going to get in return on that leap of faith, right? Because it, it, it kind of sounds like a scheme a little bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was getting a lot of flack for that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah. so can you tell us? Well, what, so it, it was... What a li- was your reward with big risks come big rewards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting Sometimes. because uh, he um, had this uh, this shtick where, you know, he said, and, and, and he, he claimed, and maybe there's something to it. I, I, uh, I don't know the ins and outs of, uh, regular regulatory law and whatnot, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Uh, he said that, look, you know, you can't invest in something with the expectation to get reward. Uh, otherwise, I mean, you, you can, but I mean, we don't want to do that here. Otherwise you're going to create a taxable event, you know? Oh. So, so, so you were, what you were doing was, that's why it was called a sacrifice. You were like donating Mm -hmm. for, in fact, he had on the two different sacrifices that he, that he, uh, um, created, he, he said the first one was for freedom of 
speech, I believe. So, okay. and then the second one was for freedom of movement because we were in this, you know, lockdown situation uh, in the pandemic. Okay. So, okay. so you were, you were making a stand for freedom of speech okay. and for freedom of movement by mm-hmm. donating this money with no expectation from the work of others. And that was kind of the litmus test of whether, you know, something could be considered like a, uh, I don't know the term exactly, but a, um, basically a digital asset that, that, uh, you could, ha- you could have tax implications for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, so he has like, you know, 1.5 to $2 billion of this money that, that, that <laughs> in his wallet now, but now I will say this not long after that all went down, you know, we saw a bear market come in. And mm-hmm. so then all of those, uh, cryptos that were sacrificed all saw significant, losses and value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what was at the time that you donated, you know, 2 billion shrank, you know, to probably a matter of, it's just still a significant amount of money, probably mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, since crypto sees these swings, you know, of 70 to 90%, you mm-hmm. know, up and down, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we saw here, but he's still sitting on all those coins. Now I don't believe to my knowledge that, uh, he, he, uh, uh, utilize any of those coins those coins are still sitting in those those wallets you know they're not as far as we know well but but it's all on it's all on the blockchain so you can look so it's all there they haven't been i think they they might have been moved around a little bit for organization's sake but but everybody you can you can see where everything goes and Mm -hmm. and people have looked at that's how it is different from the centralized system where if you send your money to leo's wallet you really don't have visibility to what leo is doing with that money, but if you are doing that on the blockchain, since it's a ledger, everything is recorded. You can actually see what's in that wallet. Yeah, yeah. Now you have to know. So, like in this case, everybody knew the address because mm-hmm. that was this. We were all donating to the same address, right, right. so everybody knew it, so they could follow it. Right? Mm-hmm. You could literally bookmark it on your browser and then open it up every day and see if there was any activity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the nice things about the blockchain. But you, you know, you have to know who that wallet belongs to. So there's also mm-hmm. a certain level of, of anonymity okay. in the blockchain because, you know, if you have a wallet and I don't know what that address is, mm-hmm. then I don't know what you have and and I don't know which one would be associated with you. But the minute you send me money, mm-hmm. if, if you were to send me anything at all, even if it's just a dollar worth of Bitcoin, then it would come from an address. So I would, I would now see that address mm-hmm. and then I could go in and I could look at every asset that's stored at that address. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I could get a little bit of an idea of, you know, what you're, what you're packing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, but anyway, we, we've done a lot of talking here and I think a lot of people are still asking, well, why, why are you bringing this up? What's mm-hmm. the, what, what's the significance of this? Um, because, you know, we mentioned Hex, uh, that, actually went down in value just like everything else over mm-hmm. the bear market. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, from an all-time high, it, it shrank, I believe, all the way down to as low as 1.8 cents, I believe, or something like that. Okay. So right now it's probably hovering in the three to four cent range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it has lost most of its value. Now, the interesting thing about this Pulse chain, uh, uh, blockchain, this layer one, was that Another reason he was doing this is because those gas fees on Ethereum, and if you're unfamiliar with gas fees, anytime that you're sending money to someone else or you're uh, interacting with a smart contract or you're minting new coins or whatever, you have to pay what's called gas. 
and gas is a fee in order to pay for the transaction on the network. Because there is no bank that is running this, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to kind of pay your share for the infrastructure that has been set up to, to deploy this all. And so... Uh, How are these fees... Uh, determined? They're determined based on load to the network. Mm -hmm. So when the network is under heavy load, they go up. When Mm -hmm. it's not being accessed much, they go down. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, um, however, the, that, that, that low and high is all relative, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, When you factor in how many people are using the network, right? Because low for Ethereum might be uh, considered high for another coin. Right. So, uh, or another blockchain. So, uh, it's all relative, but because of how Richard was going to tweak the attributes of this copied chain, uh, it was going to be able to withstand the impacts of increased usage and the overall gas fees were not going to be as, as, uh, substantial. Okay. So, um, so anyways, you're all like, okay, well, so did he do it? Right. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, he, well, that was, this is the kicker is that, uh, it, it didn't launch, didn't launch in three months. It didn't launch in six months. It didn't launch in one year. It didn't launch in a year and a half. And finally, uh, here we are nearly two years from the initial sacrifice, uh, uh, in, uh, I believe that was in late summer of 2021. Um, and, uh, he has now launched it. So wow. Yeah, so finally So he, it was not a scam after all. I mean. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh he's launched it and uh it seems like it's being met with a lot of fanfare and, and from somebody who's been watching this uh unfold because I will say this, you know, if anything he is an entertaining person. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's quite a character. Mm-hmm. Um in fact, during the 2 years he did a lot of what he considered shock marketing. Where, you know, he, he, oh, wow, we're getting a little. Oh, I love. You know, we don't get this up here. That is one thing I miss the most about the West is thunderstorms. Very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, it's not raining yet, but hopefully we'll get a little bit of Mm -hmm. precipitation. We need it. Uh, but anyway, to my point, he, he, Richard is quite a character, and because the this network was not launching, mm-hmm. and then he was also being quite flamboyant. You know, he was wearing, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton and all this <laughs> stuff, and 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 he claimed, you know, he it was a shock and awe marketing campaign to get awareness for himself, uh-huh. and the only thing people would would look at as if he bought all this crazy stuff. There's you know? no such thing as bad publicity. Right? Exactly, exactly. And so um, anyway, we're, we're now, uh, uh, this blockchain is launched. Mm-hmm. You know, we did sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited for it. And, and I think another reason we wanted to talk about it was because, you know, we, we're talking about solutions, you know, to the problems that we're all uh, experiencing, you know, whether it's financially or uh, socially, you know, educational mm-hmm. perspective, all that. There's all these different components. So we want to talk about these potential solutions. And even though there might be some attributes like of Richard that we're not the most hot on because of his, his, uh, some of his past sins or behaviors, um, we, we do think he's very smart. And we do think that he actually wants to create something that, uh, actually 
pays dividends in those areas that he mentioned that we sacrificed for Mm -hmm. freedom of speech, freedom of movement, Mm -hmm. um, censorship resistance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so now that this is actually launched, it's quite exciting. Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, it literally launched, uh, two days ago Mm -hmm. and, uh, the bridge just opened up about an hour ago. What is a bridge? Well, so the bridge is where you can actually bring Re, uh, assets in from other blockchains mm-hmm. so that you can trade them within the pulse chain. Okay. So, you know, without that, you're kind of on your own little island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the bridge is open, then, you know, the flood, the floodgates come in. Even the people who didn't sacrifice to get their coins, their native uh, coins on the network, those other people can come in and start trading with us that, that did sacrifice that have those coins already. Okay. Um, and it seems like it's working well. I mean, obviously we're only a few days in here, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's going very well. And, uh, you know, we're not giving financial advice by any means, mm-hmm. but we're just saying, Hey, look, this, these are projects that you should be looking out for. It is, uh, early, mm-hmm. you know, in the, uh, uh, uh inception of this. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, we're really saying that this was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he was never going to launch this uh-huh. thing. And uh, he always kept making progress. And he said software is hard, mm-hmm. but, you know, he, he's done it. Mm-hmm. He, he's launched it. It's operational. And from uh, everything that we're seeing in the first uh, few days, it's just been getting hammered, you know, from a use perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's been just... Scaling well. Yeah, chewing it up and spitting it out, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Uh, if this really does have cheap gas, uh, which it appears it does, then uh, one other thing that he did on this network, which is interesting, it, it hasn't been done in this particular way before, is that he's copied the entire system state of Ethereum. So every... Whoa! Is that a bad omen that we're talking Zeus. about this? And, no, uh, I think that's bringing some more oomph. Yeah, yeah, more oomph to this. Yeah. Wow. I don't think we've ever had thunder like <laughs> that here in the two either. years we've been here. I hope it doesn't start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one seemed close. But uh, he copied every... So in anything that you owned on the Ethereum blockchain, you got a copy of it mm-hmm. on this Pulse Chain network. And so what he is... Um, I think kind of betting on is that because there are these high gas fees on Ethereum, Mm -hmm. there is some market activity that's not happening because people don't want to pay the fees. So, you know, they're not trading, they're not sending money from wallet to wallet. They're just Mm -hmm. saying, "Eh, it's just too expensive. I don't, I'm going to spend more to send it than I have in the, in the account as as it is. Makes sense. So by replicating all these assets, he's kind of thinking there's going to be this sea change. People are just going to move over mm-hmm. to the assets, those same assets on that chain, mm-hmm. and then just kind of forget about them over on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be able to trans, uh, transact and it will create a, a storm of activity. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a lot of projects on Ethereum that literally died because they were maybe not large enough to compete with some of the larger projects. Mm-hmm. And these gas fees just literally kicked their ass. They couldn't, you know, nobody wanted to participate. But now that they're in a cheap gas environment, they can move. They, they might come back to mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's possible too, just because of, of so many people coming to crypto for the first time, that you might have uh, parity where you have some assets that have the same value on both chains. because mm-hmm. and, and there are people trading and purchasing. So, you know, if you have 
you know, a thousand hex on Ethereum and a thousand hex on, on Pulse Chain, you might have doubled your investment. Mm, that's nice. You know, um, but really, uh, from that explanation, I mean, does that, does that make sense? Or uh, mm-hmm. what, what questions do, do you have? Um, well, the-, the question more that I have is, um, do you have things running in Ethereum because you bought them there? Or how does that work? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, anybody can launch a token on Ethereum or an mm-hmm. NFT. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. the pictures of the apes that were right. going for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, those are assets that exist on different mm-hmm. blockchains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there there could be uh, assets on Ethereum. And like I said, you you now have copies of them uh, as long as it you, you owned it when the network was was copied, which mm-hmm. was, you know, a few days ago, mm-hmm. then you have a copy on the Pulse chain. And then uh, uh, you have to obviously wait for a market to be created for it. It's might uh, market not might not generate overnight. Mm-hmm. But you know, as people see this gas fee issue, you, you may see that sea change where people move over to Pulse chain. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, your NFT on Pulse chain is worth more than the version of it that's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so Ethereum. the more activity you have on that chain, the more more value it generates for your assets it's, in the chain. It's potential buyers, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. the more people that adopt, they have funds that are over there, so they're able to transact with whatever project that you're, you're, you're uh, uh, that they have interest in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the other thing with with Pulse Chain. I mean, they're they're given that there was this two year development time that really gave a lot of time for uh, other projects to. Uh, uh, come together, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's literally, I think, uh, I mean, there's just tons of stuff where some chains get started and there's nothing operating on them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, here, we've created this really efficient uh, blockchain, mm-hmm. uh, come invent something for it. Well, everybody was really, uh, hell bent on some of the attributes of this network. Mm-hmm. So there was so much development going on in the, that two years time that now there's oh, really even kind, before I launched. Well, because there, there were, there were test nets. Oh. So even though there wasn't a, a production, uh, um, blockchain, there were test nets. Mm-hmm. So people could go on and develop on the test net mm-hmm. and deploy their particular uh, service mm-hmm. and, uh, and then talk about it, right? They could prime people, get them ready. This is mm-hmm. this, you know, this is coming. Yeah, this is coming, whether it's, you know, digital currency loans or, or NFT projects or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now that this is launched, all those projects exist, they're there. So it's kind of like a shopping mall that, that, that exists. It's mm-hmm. ready to do business where a typical blockchain, might not have that much out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, again, I, I, if you go out and you, you search for Richard, you will find plenty of content. He is mm-hmm. a, he is somebody that is not shy. You'll, and you'll find just as much stuff that'll kind of make you blush, you know, cause you can't believe he said it. Uh, but I will really think that if you listen to what he's saying, he's, he really wants to create, cause he, he, he is a vain guy. And he wants, he doesn't want to go down as a scammer. Mm-hmm. He wants to go down as the guy that saved crypto. Okay. okay? And, and now he's not shy about that, mm-hmm. but that's, he wants to go down as that guy. Mm-hmm. And so you might ask yourself, well, what, why is everybody against him? Well, is everybody against him? I would say 90% of the crypto sphere appears like they, or at least over the past two years has. Because now he points out the issues. Well, he points crypto. out the issues and... Yeah, so Richard has seen 
a lot of what's happened. And, um, you know, he thinks trading, uh, you know, where people, you know, buy one, buy when it's low, sell when it's high, which is what we all want to do. But those people uh-huh. that do that do it on a daily basis, he thinks that's really the recipe for financial ruin. You know, there's very few people that can do that effectively. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he is trying to proselytize people, you know, you you want to hold because of the volatile nature of crypto, you want to buy and you want to hold and because we see these huge swings and it is cyclical, you if as long as you hold and you don't constantly trade in and trade out, you will see uh, profit potential and you, and you will make money. Um, but the reason why the crypto space is against him is because the you know, the standard banking system and, and stock market system, you know, it, it's it, those um, exchanges that you buy and sell stocks on, uh, the crypto exchanges work in the same type of, uh, of manner. Yeah. Well, I mean, the centralized ones, mm-hmm. there's the decentralized ones, which are automated. They're not run by anyone. It's, mm-hmm. it's all just code. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what crypto was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are centralized are, you know, they are in a profit model, mm-hmm. right? They have employees, they have uh, the light bill they got to pay. And Do you want to give some examples to give? Well, I mean, just look at the, that probably the one everybody knows most is Coinbase, Uh right? So they need people to, uh, to trade in and out because they Mm -hmm. make fees every time you trade in and out of a position. Mm -hmm. So, um, they're, they're looking for you to do that. They're looking for the person who is wanting to buy is paying a fee. The person who's wanting to sell is paying a fee Mm -hmm. and, and you're both going against each other, right. Mm -hmm. To hold on to as much money as you can. Um, and, and the one who's really winning in the end is the centralized exchange. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of good people at centralized exchanges, you know, we've used centralized exchange, but really the, the model of a centralized exchange is not really based on holding it's Mm -hmm. based on Trading. trading. And so they advertise that and they make it sound like it is a panacea that it's not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get in a lot of trouble, Mm -hmm. uh, leveraging themselves. And so he he talks a lot about that. And Mm -hmm. he, so that's the other reason why I think this is so funny. You know, he's, he's telling people to be responsible and to hold and people are calling him the scammer, which is weird. (laughs) Yeah. But but for some reason, you know, when you when you match it up with like the Gucci and the Prada stuff that he wears, mm-hmm. it you you buy into a little bit, okay, this guy must be a scammer. Who would wear those clothes? You know, <laughs> even even though he's telling you to be a good person uh-huh. and and or just be a responsible person with your money, um, people just can't get over the 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 character that he sometimes plays mm-hmm. and w- mm-hmm. which I think is is intriguing because I mean we we have elected people like Donald Trump into the presidency and he's a bit of a character not mm-hmm. not the nicest guy all the time mm-hmm. you know well, uh, he's quite a character so sometimes downright rude mm-hmm. right but we we give him the pass uh, there's other CEOs that you know are just straight up a, a- holes of companies and we mm-hmm. continue to uh, patron or, uh, uh, you know, utilize their services and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so, uh, but it's interesting in the crypto space, you've got the, the, the largest amount of influencers are paid by these exchanges, oh. you know, to push activity into these exchanges mm-hmm. for trading. And so a project like Richard's, uh, at least his initial one with hex, that was all about locking up your coins and uh, uh, only interacting with the smart contract. So there's nowhere for an exchange to make money there. Mm-hmm. So even though the project 
uh, changed a lot of people's lives to, to the, uh, the positive, these, these exchanges, these centralized exchanges have nothing good to say because they weren't benefited in any way. Mm -hmm. And then they, that pushes down just like, uh, Pfizer funding a news corporation, you know, mm -hmm. that pushes down to these influencers who are on YouTube or on the news magazines. And they're like, oh yeah, this guy's a scammer and all that, you know, all mm -hmm. the while all these projects, you know, uh, uh, you know, FTX and all, all these other ones uh, over the last year that have just gone belly up Celsius, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're the scammers, but mm -hmm. they were all being pushed as the credible, uh, uh, investment avenues mm -hmm. and, and they're all gone now. Mm -hmm. And, and here's uh, Richard who's had hex that's been, uh, online for over three years and, uh, you know, it's rock solid. And now mm -hmm. he's launched pulse chain, which they said he would never do. They said it was, it was just smoke and mirrors and mm -hmm. here it's out. People are bridging in funds from other blockchains as mm -hmm. we speak. Mm -hmm. um, so can we talk a little bit about the mechanics? You're talking about the small <laughs> as a, uh, you know, as a way to explain how this works and where people could go and look at all these projects and look at how the chain works. Um, how would people that are not familiar with crypto or somewhat familiar with crypto but not familiar with this new chain go about specking that out? Well, I mean, I can leave uh, links in the show notes for some specific uh, online, like YouTube personalities that have videos, you know, to walk through. How do I, how do I put funds into Pulse Chain? How do I buy Hex? How do I uh, uh, swap for for other tokens on the Pulse Chain? You know, where where do I go to learn about what wallets I should be using? All that type of stuff. So I could put several resources in there that are. They have very, very uh, in-depth content on how to do that stuff. And, th and that stuff is really applicable whether you decide to invest in Pulse Chain or mm -hmm. whether you decide to invest in Ethereum or mm -hmm. another blockchain. It really is all uh, relative because it's the same. It's the same process over mm -hmm. overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you answered the question well. So if you guys are wondering how to do this, we're going to have information in the show notes. Check that out. What else you got for us, Leo? No, I mean, I, I, I was actually going to look at my, uh, my note here. Man, that storm is really rocking. I love it. And you guys didn't even know we lost power and we had to mm -hmm. come back and restart the, uh, the recording here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to play another part of that clip. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, here he's kind of introducing people to the idea of what could we do for a new currency, uh, which would end up being uh, Hex. hex. Um, so let's kind of take a listen there. Hang on one second. So let's do a, a thought experiment. If we wanted to generate a new cryptocurrency with the goal of appreciating faster and higher than any other crypto had ever done before, how would we do it? Well, we'd need a lot of people to buy it, right? Well, who's the easiest people to get to buy crypto? People that already have crypto, because they can't spend it anywhere else. And they want to make more ROI. And if you're a Bitcoin holder, the only way for you to get more coins is to lend them out on exchange and take the chance you never see them again. Exchanges get hacked all the time, right? You can lend your coins out and hope you get more. Now you're making a return on your Bitcoin. What else could you do? You could sell your Bitcoin and hope that by buying mining hardware, you get more Bitcoin later. It never works. It absolutely never works. 
You can go back through history and pretend that you bought coins or hash rate at any point, and the coins always win, because the coins start appreciating the minute you buy them, and with the hash rate, you get your coins later when the price is far higher and you get far fewer coins. So what if we could get rid of the miners, not pay them block rewards, piggyback on top of Ethereum where they're doing trustlessness for free? If you pay a couple pennies for an Ethereum transaction, you're not getting the transactions rolled back, you're not getting 51% attacked, it's totally secure. Four of the top 10 cryptocurrencies in the top 10 market caps were launched as ERC-20 tokens. EOS, TRX, BNB, uh, Ethereum itself, more or less. Um, so if security and trustlessness is already free, why should we overpay it with block rewards? Why don't they just make their transaction and that's enough, right? What else can we do? Well, how do we onboard all those, uh, those crypto users that have crypto? We give them free crypto, just like Bitcoin Cash did over a billion dollar project, just like uh, Lumens did over a billion dollar project, just like XRP did over a billion dollar project. When you go through the top 10 coins, giving free coins to people is a wonderful way to onboard them, like freemium, like coupons, and then they buy more because they like it, right? We could also attack a larger market. Can Bitcoin do all of finance? No. Why? Because they only can give rewards to miners, and they don't care about things like holding. In the real world, we care about holding. If you go to the bank, what are the top three most successful products at the bank? Savings account, checking account, time deposit, CD, certificate of deposit. You lock up your money, they give you a better interest rate. Do we have that in Bitcoin? Nope. Why? Because you can lock up your money, but you won't get any rewards. You won't get any benefits from it. You just won't be able to spend your money. That sucks. So what if we control the supply and create a smart contract that says when you lock up your money, you get all the inflation, you get all the new coins not the miners. Now you're paying people to hold the price up because they can't sell the locked coins. In Bitcoin, you're paying miners to dump the price, to buy electricity to pollute the environment. It's the exact opposite. So we reduce the price pressure from uh, miners selling. We give free coins to Bitcoin users. If you guys have Bitcoin, you'll be able to claim these for free trustlessly. It's not an airdrop. Nobody hands you the coins. It's not a uh, fork. There's no Bitcoin code in it. You can read the code. It's on the website. Um, Giving people free money is a very easy sales pitch, right? Now, how do we get rid of the whales? So, for instance, Bitcoin Cash gave the Mt. Gox trustee 190,000 Bitcoin Cash. Legally, all he could do was dump them on the Bitcoin Cash holders' heads. And that's what he did. He sold 40,000 Bitcoin. He sold 40,000 Bitcoin Cash. He dumped the price of both things. And how was the world better for it? The world was worse for it. So we remove that guy. We don't let him claim. We know his addresses because they're in the court documents. If I find the plus token people, I'll remove them too, but they keep moving their coins around, so I'm probably going to fail at it, um, regretfully. Those guys don't need any more money. They already have 1% of Bitcoin from scamming. It's just tragic. It's funny when you start counting what percents of Bitcoin are owned by other people. 1% owned by plus token, 1% owned by the Winklevoss twins, 6% sitting on exchanges I know the addresses of. Uh, maybe 40% lost, and Satoshi's holding about 5%. He's got a million coins, and there's uh, 18 million total. I hope Satoshi's kids are nice people if he gives his coins to them. I'm up here defending Bitcoin rather regularly from attackers inside and out. I don't see Satoshi doing the same thing. I don't see him writing improvement proposals. I don't see him letting people know that the real Bitcoin has the BTC ticker and no other ticker. Um, it bothers me to a bit. Uh, in my opinion, he's either deceased or cowardly. There are other founders that have started cryptocurrencies with multiple billion dollars of valuation that don't hide away like cowards.
They're out there speaking publicly, like Vitalik, right? Vitalik founded a currency, speaks publicly, improves it, markets it. He does a great job with it. Satoshi's doing none of those things. Not writing code, not publishing. I, I don't, if he's alive, he, he owes us more than what he's doing. Um, so what else could you do to make a currency go up? Well, make it so people don't want to sell it, right? So if you give people a bunch of free coins and the price goes up really high, well, we've had that. That's a bubble. Well, how do you get it so it never goes down? Time locking, right? So this is the first currency that will have a chart of future market supply, which has never existed before. In Bitcoin, you know what the future total supply is, but you don't know when Satoshi's going to dump on you. You don't know when Gox is going to dump on you. You don't know when the Ponzi schemers are going to dump on you. And if they told you, you wouldn't believe them. In this system, when people lock their coins, you know when everyone's coins are coming out of stake, so you know whether the price is likely to go down when those coins become available or not. And since everyone knows what the future looks like, you should get less volatility. Up volatility, everyone loves. Down volatility, people don't love. I bought Bitcoin at 30. It went down to one. It went down to a penny on Mt. Gox, was the only exchange at the time. That sucked to hold from 30 down to a penny. And then I held it all the way from 1,200 down to 266, then 20,000, got a little bit smarter, told people to short at 19, told them it was a very good deal to short at 19, called the 20K Christmas several months earlier at about 3 or 4K, um, which you guys know if you are on my YouTube channel, Richard Hart, uh, or my Twitter account, Richard Hart Win. So I, I think Bitcoin can do a lot of things better than it does. I think, uh, and, any of you guys Bitcoin miners in here? You'll never meet them. They won't speak to you. They don't care about you. They won't talk to you on Twitter. They're not your friend. They do not help the price. They sell the coins. Miners are not your friend. Um, I think mining GPU, which is what you can do on Ethereum, is way better. You, all of you guys that have a, a gaming computer or a laptop with a video card in it, you can mine Ethereum and actually be part of the network. If you want to mine Bitcoin, you can't. You have to beg some foreign national company to maybe send you the machines when they can still make profit and not waste all of the the first week that you receive a machine is half of the profit the machine will ever make because mining difficulties at all-time highs, the price isn't at all-time highs. Price was 20K, now it's 8K. That's not all-time highs, that's one-third of all-time highs, right? What else could you do to make a coin go up more? I guess you could do fake partnerships with, uh, you know, companies. Like there's, you know, a lot of companies say, oh, we're teaming up with McDonald's. No, you're not. You shop at McDonald's. You're not teaming up with McDonald's, right? Oh, we're working with IBM. Oh yeah? What, what good thing did they do? How's Watson working out? No? No Watson anywhere? Scam? Hype? Yep, lots of hype, lots of scam, right? Uh, what else can you do to make a currency go up? Fix unit bias. Nobody wants to pay 0.032 for something. People hate decimals, so you should have more units. Uh, referral program, right? Amazon has a referral program. Tesla has a referral program. Ponzi schemes have referral programs. Does Bitcoin have a referral program? Nope, which is why I don't see any ads, because no one can make any money bringing you onto Bitcoin. Sucks. So when you go on at Facebook, you go on Google, all you see is people that run Ponzi schemes that have high margin. Every dollar they get is 100% margin. They can invest nine out of uh, $10 they get into marketing and still be cash positive. You can't do that in Bitcoin. You've got very, very low margins. The only ads you might see are from exchanges that screw you with fees. Well, that's all the opposite of what Bitcoin is built for. Bitcoin is built to be trustless. It was meant to get rid of counterparties. The only people that have gotten extremely wealthy on Bitcoin are holders and exchanges that beat you up with fees. 
All right. So as you can see, he says a lot of things that mm -hmm. that the Bitcoin community, which is the granddaddy of all crypto, they mm -hmm. don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you, and, and just to give you an idea, so that was kind of the talk that started it all. Now he was kind of an he was kind of an entity. You know, he was always kind of there talking about stuff in crypto. But that was kind of the talk that kicked off where he was actually doing something about it. He was launching this mm -hmm. Hex crypto. Mm -hmm. And you could tell there he was going to be a rebel. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you follow the progression, like literally just go to his YouTube channel and see uh, a lot of the streams. I mean, he would have people on, he would debate them. And it was amazing to me. And I think the more amazing thing is now that this thing is launched, you know, uh, we're seeing a lot of these detractors come around. Now they're wanting to talk about it. They're, they're excited about this project, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and all the meanwhile, you know, we're, we're coming out of a, a, a bear market mm -hmm. and, and, uh, a lot of the, the, the stuff that's been the darling has failed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of these influencers know that this is going to be something mm -hmm. and they don't want to be on the record as not pushing it in, in some way, shape or form, because it'll be quite obvious at that point that, that they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, well, they're just they're just doing they're on the take. Yeah, right. It's wherever uh, the the money is yeah. is forcing them to put uh, eyes on it. You know, so so I I don't know. I mean, he is certainly an acquired taste, and I know I I can see some of you listening to this that I know personally. You know that that, that are not fans of him. I know you're going. Well, why on earth would anybody invest in anything that this guy's doing? And I'm like. I don't know. I mean, just deep down, if you if you listen to enough content, you can see that even though you may question the methods, the what this guy wants to accomplish is being something, you know, once in a lifetime or something. He, that, that's what he wants to do. You know, he wants to be that transformational character, maybe for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. but uh, it doesn't matter. He's hell bent on being successful. Kind of like, you know, Elon Musk wants to go to the moon mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, Mars. Uh, <laughs> Cause we've already been to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, I, I, I just think it's interesting. And I think we're at that point where, um, you know, there could be, again, it's not financial advice, but I mean, there are certainly going to be some projects related to this. I think they're going to be something worth watching, even if you don't get in early. Mm -hmm. I think that, that uh, once you see that this thing has legs, mm -hmm. you could still get in and still make some money, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're all going to be looking, I think, for a store of value as this government continues to print money. Mm -hmm. It's not too late. That's what you're saying. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I, it's obviously a learning curve. And, and uh, but I mean, I think that that uh, there's a ton of opportunity here with this particular network. I think there's a ton of opportunity in crypto overall. Mm -hmm. Very, very bullish on that all around. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a nobody, right? I'm not a, a crypto expert. I'm somebody who's kind of dove in just for my own investment purposes over the last uh, couple of years uh, fairly significantly. But I mean, I'm still not, I'm not a trader. I'm not, uh, um, you know, I'm not one of these people that, that is funding liquidity pools and all this stuff and running nodes. I don't do any of that stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I, I follow the news with it and then I, I look to see if the message is consistent. And, and that is one thing that I will tell you about heart is that, uh, 
myself and him, we mm-hmm. are consistent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, we're in the eighth season, aren't we? Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. So I, I will uh, leave several links in the show notes mm-hmm. for resources that you can check out if you want to get more information on this particular project and Richard Hart in general. Um, but, you know, again, we, you and I want to talk about stuff we think is actually solving problems. Mm-hmm. It's a solution to some of the stuff that we're dealing mm-hmm. with. And financial independence is certainly high on that list. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Decentralization, um, finding ways to learn for yourself and do it on doing on your own, because at the end of the day, you can't trust. Yeah. This Babylonian system. And do not take my word for it. Do your research and only invest in anything that uh, you feel like you've proven it out for for yourself. Or speaks to you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Fabby. Whoa. That wraps it up. Another episode of the Collective (laughs) Resistance podcast. Follow us on Telegram at the Collective Resistance or Twitter at TCRP12. What do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious.